Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Come on, huh? Does that mean you have to give up? Well, as the French so delicately put it, the old, uh, I have to take a bow of chastity. I also have to take a bow of silence. Yep. You're gonna give up sex, might as well give up talking. What fun is messing around if you can't tell the guys about it? It's no big deal. I've never had much luck with girls anyway. They don't find me attractive. Oh, hey, Kev, you're an attractive guy. Diane. Yeah. Don't you think uh, he's a specimen? Um, well, yes. He's a very attractive fellow. <laughs> Come on, I, I know I don't have any sex appeal. I'm shy and serious-minded. The search goes on for my chin. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. Everybody knows your name You wanna go where people know People are all the same You wanna go where everybody knows your name Hello and welcome to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and I don't have a guest this time because I'm not reviewing an episode of the show. Instead, I'm going to reach into Cliffy's mailbag and respond to some of the listener feedback that each of the first 12 episodes received. This will include the comments left on the Fire and Water website, as well as the iTunes reviews. And, as a special treat, at the end of this episode, I will give you my ranking of the first 12 episodes of Cheers Season 1. Now... Before I dive into the website comments from episode 1, I should say I will not be reading every word of every comment, or even every comment I received. I'll be doing a little bit of cherry-picking for the sake of expediency, both to cut down on time and repetition, but I will mention the name of everyone who left a comment. Okay, cheers, episode 1, the pilot, also called Give Me a Ring Sometime, received comments from Clinton Robison, Chris Franklin, David Ace Gutierrez, Rick Heineken, Brian Linton, Rob Kelly, The Irredeemable Shag, Dan Doherty, Max Romero, Alexander Osias, Ward Hill Terry, Paul, Michael Lane, Ken Hummel, Tim Price, and Ashford Wright. David Ace Gutierrez said, I may not have gone to the Joe Kubert School, the Sorbonne of the West, but I did take some film and TV classes at a state school. One of the things the production classes drove home was how impressive a lighting setup Cheers had. I can't really put it into words, but it'd be a pain in the ass to get the lighting right from the outside world, as well as keep it looking sharp indoors. 
Rick Heineken from Jeff and Rick Present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack said, Really good show. The last thing I needed was a new podcast in my feed, but then I had to walk into your bar. I grew up on this show and have fond memories of it. I remember recording the 200th episode special on VHS and rewatching it constantly. The jokes, the jokes, and the characters, fantastic. Keep up the great work. You know, uh, when I was growing there were definitely, there were a few times when, for whatever reason, we had to record uh, some of the episodes of Cheers that I would watch later on. So I did have a, a tape with some episodes. And one of them I do remember watching over and over was the 200th special, which, um, but I remember more than anything that that show had a lot of clips from, you know, throughout the first couple of seasons. And like, that was like, as I was watching it sort of real time with the, with the Rebecca years, that was where I saw a lot of clips and a lot of these classic jokes from the Diane years and the Diane episodes was from originally in that uh, 200th episode special before I would go back and catch repeats or eventually get the DVDs. Uh, Rob Kelly from this very network and who was one of the guests on the first episode said this was enormous fun to record and even though we spoke for 90 minutes about a 23 minute show we had to force ourselves to stop. Cheers generates that kind of discussion and even though I was there at the time I still laughed out loud all over again at Mike Gillis referring to the kid as workshopping his fake ID act for Sam. That was good. That was good. Uh, the Irredeemable Shag said, I was a casual fan of Cheers, probably starting around the third season. Watched it for a few years, but it never really made an impression on me. Frasier, on the other hand, was a show I followed regularly. Hearing your discussion about the actors really piqued my curiosity, so I sat down with my daughter tonight and we watched the first four episodes together. We both really enjoyed it, laughed quite a bit, and you are correct about the timelessness of the show. Very few jokes were dependent upon the era, so my daughter got most of the humor. That is awesome. I mean, the fact that a younger generation, um, and not necessarily a guy, too, uh, would would watch the show and still connect with the humor... Uh, and, and find enjoyment in this show. That warms my heart. I love hearing stuff like that. Uh, Dan Doherty said, Having grown up in Massachusetts, I've been to Boston countless times, and occasionally I would go past the actual Cheers bar. When I was in elementary school, there was a brief period where I believe the show was actually taped at the famous Beacon Hill location. I genuinely thought I could go there and watch an episode get filmed with a live audience. I later found out that the show was taped in Hollywood and that the interior of the real Cheers bar bore no resemblance to the TV version. Yeah, that's sad. I still, you know, now living only a couple of hours away from Boston, I still want to go there at some point during this podcast and possibly record an episode there or do something special for it. Uh, Max Romero, also from this network, said, At one point, you all are talking about the characterization of Sam, particularly his patience and general kindness, and I think you kind of overlooked the fact that he's a recovering alcoholic. I think Ryan mentioned that Sam wants to be helpful to others, but I think it goes deeper than that. I do think he wants to be a good person, but I also think a lot of it is born out of guilt, something most recovering addicts have to wrestle with. It's hinted at in later episodes, but I think most of the people in the bar knew Sam when he was drinking, and Coach and Carla often had to take care of him when he was at his worst. Sam wants to be good, but it comes from a place of wanting to be better than he was. He wants to atone, and he doesn't want to be that guy again. I also think that's where some of his womanizing comes from. It's just part of his nature, for sure. But I think he's also afraid of hurting someone he cares about again, and you can't really hurt someone if you've never committed to them, right? 
that's yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I, I, we might have actually touched on that in later episodes after uh, the pilot, but that's a good point, Max. Uh, Ward Hill Terry said, I appreciated the note that Cheers was written by folks who had not grown up exclusively on television comedies. The great radio show writers could develop a trail of small gags all in the service of leading up to a great payoff, and then do a callback to the gag six or seven minutes later. Cheers learned from the best. Yeah, that's a good kind of little pattern to sort of set up a lot of the way the comedy is written in this show. Uh, One more thing, Ward continues, Cheers was in part based on an original Boston television show, Park Street Under. One of the local stations, WCVB, produced the show about a fictional bar one flight down near Boston Common. Yeah, I have seen clips of that uh, Park Street Under show, and it's it's definitely local, small town, uh, like almost cable access type of of programming. Um, And I've also heard various accounts saying that really the creators of Cheers had nothing, had no idea that show existed. Some of them were like, yeah, we knew it, but all it did was sort of cement the idea that we could do this show about a Boston bar. I've, I've heard kind of different, different opinions, different thoughts about how much it was actually based on that show or not. Uh, and finally, Tim Price said, John Ratzenberger's Cliff always struck a chord for me as he was the closest to being a nerd on the show, albeit a caricature of one. He wasn't into comics or superheroes or the like, but knowing lots of esoteric facts, living with his mother, shy around women, sounds pretty familiar. I can picture Cliff having his own podcast today. It's a little-known fact cast, Florida, Podcast of Paradise, and the U.S. Podcast Service. Oh, gosh, I love that idea. Yeah, Cliff would totally be a podcaster. Oh, and it'd be awful. <laughs> I love that. Uh, good job, Tom. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, those are just some of the comments from the first episode, uh, and there was a commonality to a lot of the comments that I didn't read, which was everybody sharing how they first discovered Cheers, how old they were, who they watched it with. I didn't read those parts out loud, but I did read them, and it's very cool to hear how other people came to the show. Uh, Okay, comments for episode two, Sam's Women, came from Chris Franklin, Brian Linton, Rob Kelly, Tim Price, and the Irredeemable Shag. Brian Linton said, Your discussion of the foreshadowing in later verses of the theme song got me thinking. Do we know if all of those verses were written at the time the show first aired? If you only hear them during the 200th episode, could they have been written sometime later? In which case, some of those may be intentional references to events in the show. Well, according to Gary Portnoy, who is the composer of the song, and it's described at length on his website, all of the lyrics for the extended version of the song were written in 1982 when he was first crafting the theme song. Now, the producers did make him change the first verse, but otherwise, the version that appears in the opening credits is very similar to the demo that Portnoy recorded with his writing partner. After the show premiered, even though the series struggled with ratings, the song was kind of a hit, and Portnoy went almost immediately back into the studio to record the full-length version, even though it wouldn't be released for a while. So, yeah, I mean, it's a total coincidence, or you could call it serendipity, that he wrote the lines about Shrink ran off to Europe before Fraser Crane was ever even conceived of in the writer's room. Uh, Rob Kelly said, Cheers is one of the very few pieces of pop culture that I wouldn't mind seeing a prequel to. The bar lends itself to having stories told about it during different eras. 
I mean, I, I usually bristle at the idea of like prequels of that type of thing, but you could do another series about Cheers, and yeah, you could in fact do a prequel to it. You could have Gus be the owner. Um, you, you could even have the character of Norm appear back in the olden days when he was just known as Skinny Guy at the end of the bar. That's one of my favorite jokes. Uh, episode 3, which was the Tortelli Tort, received comments from Rob Kelly, Gene Hendricks, Miss Patty, and Tim Price. Rob Kelly said, You guys touched upon the idea that while this episode is pretty good, it's not up there among the show's best or even best of the season. Part of the reason for that, in my opinion, is that the actor playing Eddie did his job too well. Eddie is so loathsome and off-putting that spending any time with him is so unpleasant you just want to skip to the next episode. Sure, he gets his comeuppance, but for a lot of the episode he's strutting around, dominating the characters we've already come to love, and it's just awful. That actually is a really, really good point that I didn't think about, but um, yeah, this episode is a little off-putting, and I think it's because Eddie thoroughly dominates the characters that we want to root for. And I could even point that that will come back again in later seasons. There are a few episodes with the character John Allen Hill that have a similar effect on me. I mean, I love Curtis's performance. He's fantastic. Most of the time, his character is used wonderfully. But there are one or two episodes when he gets he lays Sam so low that it just it's hard to enjoy. Um, once in future podcaster Gene Hendricks pointed out my glaring omission that John Fiedler, who guest appeared in this episode, while best known as the voice of Piglet on Winnie the Pooh, also played Red Jack, or as I call him, Space Jack the Ripper, in the Star Trek episode Wolf in the Fold. I can't believe that I forgot that because it is one of my favorite episodes of the original Star Trek series. I even talked about that specific episode on an episode of Siskoid's Give Me That Star Trek podcast. So, yeah. Uh, Episode 4, Sam at 11, received comments from Rob Kelly, Chris Franklin, Tim Price, and Diogo Casquillo. Rob said, Harry the Hat, my all-time favorite of the Cheers recurring guest stars. It gives the whole show an out-of-time feel, something not quite of the moment. With his fedora and low-level, sort of good-natured grifts, Harry the Hat feels like he stepped out of Guys and Dolls, and I loved every appearance he had on the show. He never would have worked as a regular, though I do wish we had seen him a little more than we did. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, You can't have him too much, but it would have been nice to have him a little bit more. Unfortunately, after season two, I think, or in the middle of season two, Harry Anderson got cast in the lead of Night Court, and that kind of ate up all of his time. So no more guest starring and freelancing. Uh, Episode five, Coach's Daughter got comments from Rob Kelly, Chris Franklin, David Ace Gutierrez, Nathaniel Wayne, Brian Linton, Jeff R., Siskoid, Diogo Casquillo, Tim Price, Ward Hill Terry, and Paul Wildenberger. Uh, Chris Franklin from this very Fire and Water Network said, Poor Alice Beasley often was hired to play the ugly duckling card, most notably in Loaded Weapon 1, where she played a character who took her hair down and was suddenly played by supermodel Kathy Ireland. I too often wondered how that makes an actor or actress feel. That kind of stuff definitely wouldn't fly today. This led into a little bit of a, a tangent conversation with uh, Chris, David Ace Gutierrez, and myself. Um, Nathaniel Wayne from Council of Geeks, and occasionally this network too, said, I looked up Beasley's appearance on Gotham, feeling obligated because you bums don't watch the best comic show on TV, you bastards. 
She appeared during the introduction of Arkham Asylum in the first season episode called Rogues Gallery. She's a nurse who gives Gordon his preliminary tour and is later revealed to be an inmate masquerading as a nurse in order to free other inmates. Most notable at that point in the show was the Electrocutioner. She didn't make any subsequent appearances, which is a shame because she did the part well, and Gotham hasn't been shy about having the occasional original character. I would actually kind of like to see her give that type of performance, like a, a, a nurse at a mental institution who's actually not a nurse, but kind of a... Uh, patient in disguise, who's actually quite quite crazy. Uh, Jeff R. reminded me that the Cheers shared universe includes more than Frasier and Wings, but also the oft and best left-forgotten spin-off, The Tortellis. I, just a heads up, I will not be covering that on the podcast. Uh, and Diego Casquillo said, being one of the first episodes produced, the live audience that attended the tapings wasn't as familiar with the characters. I think I read this on the great Ken Levine's blog. When they shot the scene with Coach and Lisa in Sam's office, the audience laughed at the line, you look just like your mother. Instead of taking it in the sweet way it was intended, they probably thought Coach was being mean or sarcastic. It was decided to take the laugh out in post and leave the moment as a sincere one, which was the original intent. Three months later, that audience would have taken the moment as intended, but they weren't on the air yet at that point, so they didn't. It's an interesting point. I'm not sure if I had heard that little detail, but yeah, it certainly makes sense. Uh, episode 6, Any Friend of Diane's, received comments from Chris Franklin, Siskoid, Jeff R., Diego Casquillo, and Tim Price. Siskoid pointed out the obvious literary allusion that I am embarrassed I missed. When Sam makes Diane tie his shoe in front of her friend Rebecca, it's a nod to the William Shakespeare play The Taming of the Shrew. Ah, I can't believe I missed it, but I would be even more disappointed if Siskoid had missed it. So... Uh, Jeff R. asked about Norm's tab that I am computing on each episode, and that's a good question that needs some clarification, because there are times on the show when Norm has drinks that wouldn't go on his tab. If somebody else is buying the round, for example, that is not why I'm keeping his tab. I'm not trying to figure out how much money he actually owes Sam by the end of season 11. I am just, kind of for my own little enjoyment, I am just trying to gauge how many beers he actually drinks when the character is on screen. Even that isn't going to be a totally accurate account of how many he might drink in one night in Cheers. This is just a fun little exercise. I, I got my own little headcanon rules for it, so just go with it. Uh, anyway, moving on to episode 7, Friends, Romans, and Accountants. That episode got comments from Chris Franklin, Siskoid, Tim Price, and Ward Hill Terry. Ward said, I listened to this to get away from the news of politicians not giving credence to a woman's claims of assault. It didn't work. Yeah, sorry sorry about that one. What did we say? The show is timeless. Uh, episode 8, Truce or Consequences, received comments from Chris Franklin, Siskoid, Miss Patty, Brian Rosen, Ken Hummel, and Tim Price. Chris said, wait, there was a Cheers regular named Jack Knight that disappeared at some point? Damn you, Flashpoint. Miss <laughs> um, Patty was generous enough to provide the recipe for Carla's custom drink, Leap into an Open Grave. Um, according to her, the open grave recipe is half an ounce of Jack Daniels, half an ounce of Bacardi, half an ounce of Myers rum, half an ounce of Southern Comfort, half an ounce of peach schnapps with a splash of pineapple juice, a splash of orange juice, and a splash of grenadine. Now, anybody who wants to try it, there you go. Uh, and Ken Hummel said, fun fact, we find out in season two that Carla had her next child at St. Allegis Hospital. 
That there is a little St. Elsewhere crossover Easter egg. But, even more fun fact, Carla and Cheers, the bar itself, will actually show up in St. Elsewhere's third season finale. Uh, episode 9, Coach Returns to Action, got comments from Chris Franklin, Rob Kelly, Siskoid, and Tim Price, who said, let's hear it for that bar slide to norm. Always love that bit. But the most famous beer slide, the one from my favorite episodes, is the very next one. Can't wait. Well, then, let's move on to episode 10, Endless Slumper, which got comments from Chris Franklin, Rob Kelly, Siskoid, and Tim Price again. Chris said, if you ever wanted to have a permanent co-host, I wouldn't stray too far from the family tree. You guys have great chemistry on air. He is, of course, referring to my guest on episode 10, which was my brother, Neil. Another fun fact, if you liked us on that episode, you get to hear us again tomorrow on a special Christmas episode of FW Presents. Check that out. And Tim Price said, I was 14 when this episode aired, and even though I wasn't a sophisticated viewer, still ain't, I knew it was special. I consider this one of my top five favorites of the series. Not the season, the series. That's high praise. And then Tim added, I also like how the writers set up the bar slide slash bottle cap relation. Maybe it's obvious, but I love it. When Sam does the first slide, Cliff's beer isn't poured from the tap, but from a bottle. Why? It's just a beer. No specific brand requested, but it's all for the setup. If Sam does bar slides from the tap, there's no bottle cap to keep at the end, so only doing the slide from bottles gets us viewers ready for the new cap. Excellent. That is a nice little observation, Tim. I didn't even think about that, but you're totally right, and that that works both dramatically and thematically. Very cool. Episode 11, One for the Book, got comments from Chris Franklin, Gene Hendricks, Rob Kelly, Siskoid, Jack Bone, and Tim Price. Gene Hendricks said, Zaki made Ryan rethink his opinion on Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yes, it's a funny Cheers episode, but that is the best news I've heard all week. Uh, Chris Siskoid and Jack Bone all mentioned that Ian Wolfe, who guest starred in the episode, played the librarian Mr. Atos in the Star Trek episode All Our Yesterdays. Yes, the librarian, Mr. Atos. That's A to Z. Uh, and episode 12, the spy who came in for the cold one, has, as of this moment, two comments. Really, guys? That's it? I mean, thanks, Rob and Siskoid, but where do the rest of you go? Tim? Ahem. Anyway, let's look at some iTunes reviews really quick. So far, I've gotten six written reviews on iTunes, and these all come from either the United States or Canada. If you have or are going to leave me a review and you live outside of the United States, please let me know so I can be sure to look for the review when I do this segment next time. Okay, the first review is from Cheers Chick. Alright, I like the name. Finally, there is a comprehensive podcast for a wonderful show. These guys know their stuff. I was happy to spend an hour and a half on this show. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much, Cheers Chick. Uh, The next review from Schaefer Rocks, I believe that's Jonathan Schaefer-Hames from the Married with Comics podcast. He said, finally, a podcast for Cheers. Keep up the great work. That's the kind of review I like. I mean, I appreciate the very lengthy expositions, but John knows how to do it in just ten words. That's all you guys need to do. If you want to leave me a review on iTunes, just click five stars, ten words. Probably took John three seconds to do this review. Do it for me. I would love you for it forever. Uh, The next review is from Michael CPA, and he did a lot more than 10 words, and I appreciate that every bit as much, if not more so. Uh, Michael said, went to Boston recently for the first time and headed right for the Cheers Bar for an adult beverage. 
the memories of the show came flooding back, got home, ordered the DVDs, and was delighted to see a podcast starting right up on my favorite podcast network. Glad to see Ryan's name attached to it because of the quality of his other shows. The podcast centered around the character introductions and the pilot episode was amazing. Keep it up. The only downside, I think Flowers and Fishnets will become even more irregular. Start my tab. I'll be back next week. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, my uh, Fishnets-related podcasts are taking a backseat for a while now. Uh, from HST Robert, if you want to relive the best show in TV history and enjoy it with your own friends at the bar, you'll definitely want to listen to this podcast. Ryan brings a thoughtful and heartfelt look at Cheers with a nice mix of insight and background information. Thank you very much, as always. The next review is from IndieWho. I believe that's Brian Hughes from Third Degree Burn. Like Rob Kelly's MASH cast, Ryan Daly's Cheers cast is an episode-by-episode podcast, giving you a rundown of each episode right from the beginning of the series. Ryan brings in a relevant guest on every episode to discuss the goings-on at everyone's favorite Boston bar. It is obvious that Ryan has great love for the series based on his knowledge of the show, and it's interesting that when there is an episode with legal ramifications for the characters, Ryan brings in a lawyer to guest on the show. Brilliant. Will he bring in a therapist when Fraser joins the cast? Enjoy. Well, uh, as, I, as I said, I was going to have Omar back on episode three anyway, and it just so happened that his uh, legal expertise kind of made that for a better episode. Uh, if anybody in my community has some expertise in psychology, I would love to talk to them once we get to some of the episodes with Fraser and Lilith. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the last review from Physico. Ryan Daly brings in various other fans of the show to take a balanced look at one of the best sitcoms of the 1980s and 1990s. All right, that is it for the website comments and the iTunes reviews, and sincerely, I appreciate every word you guys share, and I don't mean to guilt anybody, even if you never leave a comment or click like or favorite or anything on social media. If you are listening to the show, I love you for it. Thank you so much. But before I go... I promised you I would rank the first 12 episodes of Cheer Season 1, and this was not easy. In fact, I just changed my ranking before I recorded this, and I could very well change it again by the time you're listening to it. Uh, before I give you the list, this should be obvious, but I will say it anyway to make sure that nobody's feelings are hurt. This is my very subjective ranking of the TV show episodes. This in no possible way reflects my feelings about the episodes of Cheers cast. So, if I have friends, Romans, and accountants you know, toward the bottom of my list, it's not because I had a bad time recording that episode with Paul Spataro. No, quite the opposite, in fact. Paul actually made that episode more enjoyable. So no, it doesn't matter who the guest was or how the podcast went. This is just how I feel about the episode of the show. And as of now, at the bottom of the first 12, number 12, the Tortelli Tort. 11, Friends, Romans, and Accountants. Number 10, Sam's Women. Number 9, Coach Returns to Action. Number 8, Coach's Daughter. Number 7, Truce or Consequences. Number 6, Sam at 11. And then the top 5, number 5, Any Friend of Diane's. Now, the top four, these are the ones that really, I kind of scrambled with the order a lot recently. Number four, The Spy Who Came In for a Cold One. Number three, One for the Book. Number two, The Pilot, Give Me a Ring Sometime. And number one, so far, is Endless Slumper. 
yeah, like I said, those top five were tough. I rearranged them a couple of times. Uh, what is going to be even tougher, though, is amending this list as I proceed with the series. My plan as of now is to do one of these mailbag episodes twice every season, once at the midway point, like now, and once when the season is over. And when I conclude a season, I will rank all of the episodes in that season. And this will be cumulative. I will have a big master ranking list so that hopefully, if and when I finish the series, I will have all 270-something episodes ranked in order of favorites. And... Thanks to Rick from the Jeff and Rick Presents podcast for suggesting this horrible, horrible exercise that I can't not do. So, okay. Um, As always, I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. No need to leave feedback on this particular episode. That just seems weird. Uh, But go ahead on the other episodes, past and future. As always, likes and shares on Facebook, favorites and retweets on Twitter. And you can leave a comment on the post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Thank you very much, as always, and until next time, we're closed. That's the beauty about being a mailman, now. I don't have to play smoochy-woochy with my superiors the way you do. Cliff, believe me, it's worth it for accounting. I love numbers. God help me, I love them. (laughs) Me, I like the challenges. Dogs. Vicious kids, so it's hard to find mailboxes. <laughs> you think accounting's boring, right? Huh? I miss one digit, a whole company goes in the toilet. <laughs> I'll tell you when it all makes sense. It's Mother's Day. You know, delivering a car to some old hag. <laughs> uh, watching her eyes missed up. You know, kind of gets me right behind the old ballpoint, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, you want to talk sentimental, pal? You take that same old crone, save her a couple hundred bucks on the short form. Then I know why the big guy put me here. I actually get paid to stand here and listen to great conversation. (laughs) 